Wow. What a great privilege to, to be here, to be with you. I've met some of you and uh, I'll, I'll dive straight in. And uh, I think this is probably one of my favorite books of the Bible. It is uh, the book of Colossians. And uh, it really uh, has just helped to shape uh, my mind and helped to shape the way we can see Christ. And uh, I want to read from uh, Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 to 20. And uh, some people say that this portion of scripture really sets the tone for the whole book. So before this, the Apostle Paul was giving an introduction, was praying for them, was really commending them, and just praying that God would continue to use them to bear fruit in every way. And then now he comes to this point in verse 15. And uh, I want to read from verses 15 to 20. And if you've been here uh, the past couple of weeks, um, I know that Nigel and Debbie have been speaking about seeing God really in, in all things, in, in beauty, in, 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 in culture, in agriculture, uh, literally in the soil, seeing God in, in all of these things. And so I want to just continue with uh, that same vein of thought. And uh, the title of uh, my message this morning is, Christ in all things. Christ in all things. And so the Apostle Paul, he gives us a really great picture of who God is, who Christ is in verses 15 to 20. And he puts it like this. He says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by Him all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything he might have the supremacy for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things whether things on earth or things in heaven by making peace through his blood shed on the cross and just for a bit of emphasis as well I just want to read verse 16 again it puts it like this in the message translation it says this it says for everything Absolutely everything, just in case we didn't get it the first time. Absolutely everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. Absolutely everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. Amen. And so um, I'm just going to pray uh, and uh, then um, I'll, I'll get into just unpacking this this. The scripture. So let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your presence in this place. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for your people that are gathered in faith to come and just receive not only your word, but to come and receive just a, a fresh and a new understanding of your love, of your wisdom, of what it means to live with you at the center of our lives. And so, Father, I pray that even as we unpack your word this morning, that, Lord, you would continue to speak to every heart. Lord, you know our hopes, our dreams, our fears. We pray, Lord, that you would minister to every one of us in all the different places. 
And through your spirit, you would do something that only you can do in Jesus' name. Amen. And so just a bit of an outline so you can know where I'm going. Uh, I just want to firstly just share a bit about the context of what was happening here in this church. And then Paul's response to uh, what was going on in this church. And then lastly, as an application, uh, really I just want to speak about... um, Four areas that Christ speaks into, but I'm not going to speak for very long. Um, I just want to touch on those four areas because as I was preparing, I felt like maybe one of these four areas would speak specifically into your life, into your situation. And so let's look firstly at the the context um, of what was going on here. And so here in in, in Colossians, Paul is he's responding to a teaching that had come into the life of this church. This was very much a multicultural center, Colossus, and there were, there were Greek people, there were local people, there were um, people who were from, from all around the Mediterranean. And so um, the Greeks, they were big into philosophy. The local people, they were also into what we would call syncretism, which is kind of similar to what is happening in Africa and other parts of the world today, where they believe in uh, you know, various gods and the spirit world really impacting our daily life. And so there was all kinds of ideas that were being trafficked into the life of this church. But what they all had in common was essentially what they were now teaching people was that Jesus was not supreme. He was not really, really God. He was, he was kind of there, but not completely there. He was like maybe above the angels, but not fully God. He was just somewhere in the middle. All right. And so that's why Paul is saying things like this. He says, God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. He also says that he is the image of the invisible God. So he says, you know what? If you want to see God, look at Jesus. He's the perfect representation. All right? So, so he, was, he was basically coming into this church that had basically been taught that, um, you know what? It's okay. You can have your Jesus, but just have him on Jesus' light. You know, you can have Jesus, but you you need some other things. You need some more wisdom. You need some more power. You You need some more philosophy. You need to add to these things to your Jesus because it's not quite enough. Now, I don't know if you're a fan of ice cream, but whenever I see um, uh, light on, 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 the, on the ice cream label, I, I, I run. I mean, I'm, I'm like, you know what? I'd rather not have ice cream at all. If, if that's you, I'm sorry. But for me, I, I just, I, I just got to have the real deal. So, yeah, double cream. Yeah, there we go. All right. And so, so essentially, that's what they were saying. They were teaching them that, you know what? You can still have your Jesus, but just have him on Jesus' light. That's what they were teaching them, right? And so, um, in many ways, this, this, this lie still persists today. In different forms, but it still persists. So, really, what we see and the, the pressure around us in the world is basically, yeah, you can have your Jesus, but just keep him in a corner. Just keep him there with your uh, devotions, with your, you know, your, your quiet time. Just keep him there in that corner. All right, um, because what you what you what you need, you're gonna get. You need more stuff from elsewhere. Yeah. You need power from other sources. You're gonna need wisdom from other sources. You're gonna need to get your identity from other sources. Yeah. And so you can have your Jesus, but He's not enough. Yeah. That's essentially what they were being taught. And uh, just even as I was uh, chatting with Nigel, just. Uh, 
uh, um, night before last, and he was just reminding me of his experiences as he's uh, as he ministered in Gabon, um, which is true for um, a whole lot of not only Africa but many other parts of the world, where people will they'll come to church, but they'll have another source for power. They'll, they'll go to, in Grandstown, we've got all sorts of people who promise all kinds of things. Dr. Simwa, who promises, you know, to restore your lost lover and to give you money and to, to win all your court cases, etc. You know, and, and, and there are many people who are, who are going to church and Dr. Simwa. Why? Because they're believing a lie that Jesus is not powerful enough. He doesn't have everything that you need. All right. Um, or we can now have the same lie being taught, you know, in a very more, uh, let's say, sophisticated in the Western world where we believe in science and all of those things. And, and the way in which Christianity is now being uh, taught and, yeah. and, and viewed is that Christian, uh, sorry, science is fact. Science is truth. Christianity is just value. And what people do with that is that they say fact and truth applies to everyone, e.g. gravity, right? It applies to everyone. But meaning, that's, that's whatever is meaningful for you. So like, hey man, it's okay, but it's like for you, man, corporate. I have something else that provides meaning for me, right? So what they're saying is they're saying that Jesus is not enough in the area of truth. That's the lie on that side. All right, But the reality is this, Christianity is not only powerful enough, but Christianity is based on truth. And it's a truth that is true for all people. To the same degree that gravity is true for all people, Christianity is a truth that is true for all people. All right? Because Jesus entered, we, we have, a, we have a, a faith based on the fact that Jesus entered our world in time and space. There was a point in history when Jesus entered our world. And it's even recorded, not only by Christian historians, but by Jewish historians and Roman historians, that there was a real Jesus. He entered our world of time and space. He died on a real cross, and he was resurrected three days later. So Christianity is based on true events. That's what it's based on. It's based on... On true events. And C.S. Lewis, he puts it like this. He says, Christianity, if false, is of no importance. And if true, of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important. If it is true, it is of infinite importance. If it's true, as we're singing about he created everything. There, there is nothing in the world that he did not create. It is infinitely important. Every moment, every breath that we breathe is a gift of his grace. Every, every fiber of our being, every nervous system, every system in our body, it's all him. He created it. All him. And as a result of that, every aspect of our life is infinitely important. Why? Because God is in all things. Christ is in all things. Alright? And so, essentially what Paul is saying here in this 
passage is he's saying this, guys, Christ is the creator of all things. Secondly, he's saying that Christ is the sustainer of all things. Alright? He says that everything finds its place in Christ. He's the sustainer of all things. You know, scientists are, they, they haven't figured out what is it that is holding the universe together. They haven't figured it out. But the Apostle Paul tells us here, he says that Christ is sustaining all things. You know, he's not only sustaining the universe, he's sustaining your universe. He's a sustainer of all things. And then he says that Christ is the reason for all things. He's the reason for all things. He says that everything is happening not only by him, but for him. He's the reason for all things. And so, having said that, what are some areas that Paul then speaks into as a result of who Jesus is? And he speaks about these areas in Colossians 2 and Colossians 3 and Colossians 4. So, I don't have time to go into the rest of the passage, but as I said, this passage from 15 to 20 gives us the framework to think about these other areas. And so, what are these other areas? The first one is power. Power. And so, in the area of power, what we ask, what everyone is asking, when we go through stuff is, is God powerful enough in my situation? I know maybe He created the world, but maybe He just created the world and now He just, He left the world on, on autopilot. Maybe He's just, you know, he, He's there, but He, you know, sometimes He, you know, he sleeps and, you know, he rests and he's not powerful enough and he's listening to other people. He's too busy for me. Is God powerful enough in my situation? Can I, can I, can I live a life of victory in, in my life, in my situation? And what the Apostle Paul says in Colossians 2 is he says that Christ disarmed the powers at the cross. At the cross, every spiritual power was disarmed, was, was dethroned, and was put in its rightful position under Christ. And so that means that now God is powerful enough in your situation. Why? Because he has already won the victory, the spiritual uh, battle between every power known to man. He is powerful enough in our situation, in your situation. In other words, you don't need to look elsewhere. Next time Dr. Simboa gives you one of those flies, you can just keep walking. <laughs> he is powerful enough. I don't know what your situation is, you know, you know, to win a court case, to whatever. <laughs> whatever it is, but 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 God is powerful enough in your situation. You don't need to look elsewhere. It's not Jesus' light. He's got it all. He's got all the power you need. Batteries are included. Hallelujah. Batteries are included. Alright? He's powerful enough. What about in the area of ideas and wisdom? Is there a wisdom higher than Christ? And the Apostle Paul, once again in Colossians 2, he says this. He says, Christ 
in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And so, you know, the amazing thing is, if you, if you look throughout history, some of the greatest minds, such as Sir Isaac Newton, he's known for being this amazing scientist, but more than his scientific writings were his devotional and theological writings because of how caught up he was with the amazement of who God was. If we look at really the, the history of the development of science, we can see that a lot of these pioneers of scientific endeavor were really in awe of who God was, and they were inspired by that, such as uh, another guy by the name of uh, Johannes Kepler, who was, I think, an astronomer. And he said, when we look out into the universe, we are following God's footprints after him. Why? Because that, they knew that there, there is a world. There is a world that is ordered. And that must come from someone who has placed the laws of physics and chemistry in place before the foundations of the world. And so their, their theological understanding helped them in their scientific endeavor. Why? Because they were convinced that in Christ was hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And so if you are in the ideas world... You don't need to be intimidated by people who don't believe in a Christian worldview. Why? Because in Christ are hidden all the treasures of ultimate wisdom and knowledge. You know, um, I wish I wish they would repeat this, but uh, probably the most uh, well, the most well-known American university, um, Harvard. um, They 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 used to have this in their student handbook that they would give to all what they would call freshmen. Um, uh, I wish they would repeat it. Um, but in their rules and precepts of 1646, this is what they said to every single freshman coming in to study there. They said this. They said, everyone shall consider the main end of his life and studies to know God and Jesus Christ, which is eternal life. Seeing that the Lord giveth wisdom, everyone shall seriously by prayer in secret seek wisdom of him. Everyone shall so exercise himself in reading the scriptures twice a day that they be ready to give an account of their proficiency therein, both in theoretical observations of languages and logic and in practical and spiritual truths. What that means... (laughs) Yes, do it again. Yes, Lord. What that means is that they were saying, it doesn't matter what you're coming to do to study. If you're going there to study philosophy, you need to be well-versed in the scriptures. If you're going there to study medicine, you need to be well-versed in the scriptures. If you're going there to study law, you need to be well-versed in the scriptures. Why? Because that is where wisdom is hidden. In Christ. It's hidden in Christ. And so, if we look throughout history, we'll see that um, you don't need to be intimidated by the ideas around you that are contrary to Christ. Why? Because in Christ, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are found in Him. 
And then the third area of our work. Our work. You know, we can often ask ourselves, is what I do significant? Because in the world that we're living in, we have this, sometimes it's, you know, blatant, but other times it's just unwritten. We have this almost, this, this value system of certain professions that are like highly esteemed and others that are kind of like middle of the road and others that are like, you know. And so in some places it's like, well, if you've got nothing else to do, okay, then you can become a pastor, you know. <laughs> and so, 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 so we, need to, we need to answer this question, is what I do significant? We also have this idea that when you reach a certain age and then you retire, then you're no longer as significant. Or the work that you do is no longer as significant. And so we need to ask ourselves, is what I do significant? And what the Apostle Paul says in Colossians 3 is he says that work is worship. That every act of work is worship unto God. It's not a paycheck. It's worship. Sometimes we get paid a lot for it. Sometimes we don't get paid a lot for it. Sometimes we don't get paid at all for it. But it's all worship. And that's what makes it significant. And I mean, that was the most amazing Tyson offering moment message that I, that I can think of. Really, David. It was amazing. Because it, was, it, just, it just was such a vivid picture of what not only bringing our finances, but, but what our life is like. It's bringing God our worship. That's what it is. And... And therefore, it has incredible significance. It has incredible significance. And, uh, you know, a man by the name of George Washington Carver, who he grew up, uh, was born a slave, uh, in many ways educated himself, and uh, was passionate about loving God, loving people, and, and loving creation, the created world. And he was a botanist and many other things, and he invented over 300 uses of the peanut. Over 300 uses of the peanut, which transformed the, uh, the agricultural economy of, 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 of the southern parts of the U.S. And he says this, he says, I love to think of nature as an unlimited broadcasting system through which God speaks to us every hour, if we will only tune in. Amazing. And, and, and for him, that, that, was, that was his cathedral. It was going out into nature, studying plants, and that's where he would talk and commune with God the whole day. And, and, and that is what worship, that's, what, that, that's part of what work should be. There should be that sense of, oh, that wonder. I'm communing with God. Yeah. I'm worshiping God. Um, you know, we, we, we stopped in Mossel Band, one of our friends. She, she says, oh, you know, I've just started this, this, this side hustle. And in the side hustle, well, you, you guys, you know, you might not think it's so spiritual, but, you know, I, I help uh, ladies and I, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I give them new eyebrows. Um, and, and, but as we spoke, I was like, that is beautiful. Come on. That is amazing. And she, she then shared of 
how God has used that to minister to these ladies and uh, to, 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 to be in such a close space with them that you would ne- never otherwise have. And it just occurred to me that, you know what, it, even in our side hustles, God is there. God is there. And it can be a moment of worship. And then the last one is identity. You know, we're often asking, what is my identity in this world? And the Apostle Paul here, he puts it very clearly in Colossians 3. He says, it is in Christ. Christ is our new life. And that means that I'm not trying harder to prove that I'm someone any longer. I don't have anything to prove because my identity is hidden in Christ. I am his treasure. I am his treasured possession. I'm the apple of his eye. And what happens is when we see our identity in Christ, not in my ethnicity, not in my education, not in my social status, then we can resist the pressure to conform or to perform. We can resist that pressure to conform or perform. You know, if your identity is in your ethnicity, it's like, well, it's like, well, I'm the only one here of this ethnicity. I feel out. No, there are other human beings around you. And your identity is in Christ. You have nothing to prove. If your identity is no longer in, you know, your profession or whatever it is, then ups and downs of life, you're still the same. You are still the same. And so, out of this new identity, it transforms our relationships. It transforms our marriage. It transforms uh, us as fathers and mothers, even as children, even as employers and employees. And so, I've said too much, my time is up. (laughs) But I just wanted to encourage you this morning. Whatever it is that you're going through, whether it's you, you, you're wondering about maybe your work, maybe it's your identity, maybe it's you're wondering whether God is powerful enough for your situation. Maybe you, you're wondering, do I need more wisdom? Whatever it is that you're looking at, my friends, Christ is the creator of all things. He's the sustainer of all things. And he's the reason for all things. Amen. Wow, that was so powerful. Thanks so much, Tenda. We hope you have enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit nigelanddebbie.org.